we want to take a few minutes to study together. So I want to pray. Would you join me? Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. We're reading this week from Parshat Noah, the portion about Noah. And I just want to give you a refresher about three important details about the origins and nature of humanity that we learn from this week's portion and also from last week's portion from Bereshit in the beginning, the first readings from Genesis. And I think you know these details, but I just want to remind you of them and the implications. The first detail is this, humanity was created by God. How many of you knew that before I said it? Okay, if you knew that, congratulate yourself. You can pat yourself on the back. So we're all children of God. We're B'nai Elohim, children of God. And the second detail is humanity has a common origin. Through Adam and Eve, we are all part of one great family. So we are B'nai Adam. We are sons and daughters of Adam, sons and daughters of mankind, of humanity. We all have a common origin with all of our diversity. We have a common origin, and so we are members of the human race. No matter how diverse we may be, there's, there's one greater family, and that is our humanity, and we are all, despite our differences and our dissimilarities, we are all one people together. We're part of one great family. The third detail that we learn about and we'll relearn again and again, is humanity needed a restart. And through Noah, we have a restart as a family. So we're all also B'nai Noah. We're sons and daughters of Noah. So you are sons and daughters of the Lord, you're sons and daughters of Adam, and you're sons and daughters of Noah. It's important to know that about each other so that you know what holds us together. And if you are a human being, you are from this line. There are no human beings who are not from this line. So we have a shared history. We were created in the image of God. We have a a shared history in that we're all branches of the human family connected to one family tree. And we have a shared history. We don't always do well together. We need help. We're broken. And we can't fix ourselves without God. And all efforts to fix ourselves without the Lord will ultimately fail. In the coming weeks, we'll read about Abraham and the way that God worked to bring forth a man who would trust him and join him with a woman who would trust the Lord. In order to bring forth a family in order to bring forth a tribe, in order to bring forth a nation that would bring forth Messiah. So that through this nation and through Messiah, the entire world could be blessed. And all the nations of the world 
could find a new kind of life and a new way of living. It's an incredible history that we share. It's a story that can continue to inspire us and it can instruct us and inform us how to live for God. And so that's an introduction to what we want to talk about from Genesis chapter 6. Turn to the story of Noah, Genesis 6, verse 9, is where we want to start. It says, in his generation, Noah was a man righteous and wholehearted. Noah walked with God. Three important qualities. He was righteous, he was wholehearted, and he walked with God. These are qualities you and I want to have. They're noteworthy. God paid attention to them. It's important to understand this. If you want to be in right standing with God, you will need to continue by walking with God. And you can't do that if you're not wholehearted. When people want to be righteous, but they don't want to walk with God, they end up hiding from God when God approaches. It started with Adam. Think about this. God comes down. He wants to fellowship with Adam. Adam's already gone away from the Lord in disobedience. And what does Adam do? He hides. And he hides the way people do. And think about it. When people hide from God, it is almost identical to the way children hide from people. How many of you have this image in mind? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You're already doing it. You're showing me this. Children will put their hands over their eyes and they will say, you can't see me because they confuse their inability to see with invisibility from you. And you laugh because it's so cute. But when we hide from God, it's much the same. And we say... We do what we do in the dark. We close the door and then we do it. We do it alone. We do it where no one can see us and we think no one can see us. And we're like children hiding. One of the ways that you know you're not hiding from God is you walk with God. And you allow him to guide you and to tell you what's important from his perspective in any and every area of your life. And this is a lifelong commitment and it will touch things step by step. Let's go to the next verse, verse 10, Genesis 6:10. It says, Noah fathered three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. He was a father. He fathered three sons. This is an important detail. Many people think that spiritual life is religious life and religious life is separated from all other life. But in God's eyes, it's not like that. And your children will be grateful to you if it's not like that for you. If you understand that, that being a parent and being a grandparent, being a family member is important to God, you'll see it differently than you would if you think it's of no significance. This is called out to us so that we know what is God noticing about Noah? What's important to God? And then the next two verses. 
The earth was corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. God saw the earth, and yes, it was corrupt, for all living beings had corrupted their ways on the earth. The earth was corrupt or ruined, as some translations say, before God, which, which means God could see it. It was in view. It was in his face. It was before his face. But there's another way of understanding it, not just that it was visible, but from his perspective it was corrupt. Maybe in the eyes of all the people it was fine, but in God's eyes it was corrupt. It was nothing like what he had in mind for humanity. And what was the broken condition? It was violence. People were violent. The earth was filled with violence. And if you think that there's violence today, understand this, it was a totally different measure and extent. Because during this time, the only remedy God could see was to start all over again. And he found only one family to start with. So Noah was walking with God, and God initiates a restart, and he gives Noah understanding in advance about what he's going to do, and it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy in a lot of different ways. You know when you lose a loved one, it's a sad moment, and it continues. And, and if you hear of an accident that, that takes someone away in the prime of their life, it's, it's especially difficult if it's sudden or even if it's prolonged. But can you imagine it's not just one person, it's all people. When you see the pictures of devastation from, from floods, from tsunamis, from hurricanes, from mudslides and such, or you see pro, the pictures of prolonged war and the impact it has on societies, doesn't your heart ache? When you see starvation and you see ruin on the earth and you see the way the people are suffering, doesn't it touch you? Can you imagine knowing that everyone else is going to be wiped out? Even if you're rejoicing that you will be spared, it's in the midst of a terrible situation. So the Lord tells Noah it's not going to be easy, and Noah needed to know that so that he could have clear vision, he could have understanding, and he could have commitment because there's another complication. Noah's 500 years old, which is exceptional because the Scripture says normally an old person goes to 120 during that period. So it's not like the people writing the Bible and reading the Bible didn't understand being 500 was unusual. And extraordinary, and as far as I know, there are no 500-year-olds in the room today. <laughs> so the Lord says, when he's 500 years old, I've got work to do. Now, if you've ever had the thought, I'm trying to get out of work, I'm ready to retire, to stop, I'm, you know, can you imagine Noah? <laughs> and then there's another complication. The work's going to take a long time just to get ready. I'm not sure if Noah knew how long it was going to take, but if, if you look at some of the key numbers, you'll see he was 500 when this thing began, 
and he understood what to do. And he was 600 when he's on the ark. Can you imagine a hundred years getting ready? And I don't know what his career was, but I can tell you what it turned out to be for a hundred years. He had to learn everything about shipbuilding. And here's the reason. The worst thing would be to spend a hundred years building a ship and you get on it and it breaks apart. It's worse than a waste of time. So he had to learn how to work with wood. He had to learn how to, how to accumulate a lot of wood. He had to pay for it all himself. He was not able, as someone said last night, to go to YouTube and look at how do you build an ark. And he could not go to Ikea to get the flat pack ark kit Nor could he go to uh, that art museum in Kentucky. Tom and Dee, you went there. What's the name of that place? Ark Encounter. So Noah couldn't say, well, Lord, I'm going to Kentucky. (laughs) No Ark Encounter. He had to learn how to build a ship, how to build a boat out of wood correctly. He had to see to it that that the trees grew straight and firm, that they were shaped correctly as the right kind of wood, that it was cut and harvested and dried and then worked correctly and joined correctly. And it was all based on a word from the Lord that included something that the scientists of the day must have thought was ridiculous, that water would fall out of the sky. Because everybody knows up to that point, water does not fall out of the sky. It just sort of rises up and mists the earth. And so it would not have been surprising if the scientific neighbors of, of Noah thought he was just an idiot. Another person who thinks they know what God wants, who's so stupid that they think rain's gonna come and rain. What is rain anyway? No one's ever seen it. But he makes an ark. And Genesis 7-2 has the key word, in order to preserve. When you're building something like that, you know it's for life, to save life. That's what the Lord told Noah that God's purpose was to preserve life so that in the future they could multiply and refill the earth. Animals and people, clean and unclean animals. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And in this way, after the flood, the earth was renewed and could be repopulated. But it must have been impossible for, for Noah to fully understand what he was getting into at the beginning. Can you relate to that? Have you ever had that experience where with enthusiasm you start something and later on you find out what it is and what it's going to take? It took everything from Noah. Sometimes we don't fully understand what we're getting into. And the Lord knows that if he told us, we wouldn't even agree to get into it. It reminds me of a story I heard long ago. It was... It was about a Texas billionaire 
who offered a challenge to all the young men in his city, and he invited him to his ranch where he had a huge pool, much bigger than an Olympic pool. And he said to the young men, the first one of you that can swim across the pool, I'll give a a million dollars cash to. Great enthusiasm. He said, but there's a catch. The pool is filled with alligators. (laughs) And so instinctively, everyone steps back. They hang their head down. And he's looking. Does anyone have the guts looking around? All of a sudden, he hears a splash. And he sees somebody just swimming with power, swimming through, and gets to the very end and gets out of the pool hot, red, boiling hot. And the the billionaire comes over to him and says, I'm a man of my word. I've got a million dollars cash for you. And they bring this pallet of money in front of him. And he says, I'm not interested in that right now. I want to know who pushed me in. (laughs) And sometimes when you're in the Messianic movement, it feels like that. It's like, I don't want to know about that. Who got me into this? (laughs) Because it really does feel sometimes, doesn't it? that uh, somebody must have pushed me in. You and I have a great history. We come from Noah. We have a great calling. Because we're a messianic synagogue, we're a congregation that centers on Yeshua the Messiah and honors the heritage of the Jewish people and the calling of the Jewish people and recognizes that through Yeshua the Messiah, all nations can find blessing in being together. Because we're a Messianic synagogue, we're called to lift up the name of Yeshua as a banner for all nations and to be concerned for the restoration of the Jewish people to God and the high calling to which he has called us. God is not only interested in saving people religiously. By that I mean he doesn't just want all the Jewish people of the world to be, quote, saved. He has a plan that goes beyond that. And then what? You see, it wasn't only God's plan that Noah would walk uprightly with the Lord. It was God's plan to accomplish what he had in mind from the beginning for humanity. And he wanted humanity a certain way, humble and righteous before him and full of love and faith. And when people go off course, they need to come back to him. And if they don't come back, he'll find a way to try to get them back. So God has a plan for the nations of the world. He wants to use the Jewish people through Messiah to bring the nations of the world together under God, not under the Jewish people, under God. So that all the nations of the world can be healed before God. And all the nations of the world will have to learn to join in the honor and the heritage that God has given to the Jewish people as a sign of humility before God and to embrace some of the things that may be foreign to them, as the prophets tell us, uh, celebrating Sukkot will be necessary for all the nations. Even the nations that don't want to will learn to want to. 
It's a high calling that we have. But it can only be accomplished when we embrace Yeshua as Adonai and Mashiach. So God is looking for faithful people. He's looking for people of faith and courage and hope and love and concern for others. And he's looking for people who have the next generation in mind and the generation after that and the generation after that. So if you're a short timer, it's good to be expecting the Lord to return, but you need to prepare for generations to come. If the only thing you can tell people is the Lord's coming so quickly, you don't have to think about this life, then you haven't told them the stories of the Bible and the heritage that we have. We need to stand shoulder to shoulder and serve together and show love to one another. And we're called to be generous as members of the congregation, to come with generous hearts, because it's a condition of the heart that touches how we think, how we act, and how we plan, and how we make priorities. And the testimonies we've heard today are testimonies that come from generosity. Generosity from God and generosity from those who stand together shoulder to shoulder. Generosity. We bring our ties with generosity. Some have a lot, some have a little. But when we're generous, we bring the full measure of our ties and we bring them to the congregation and God uses them so that together we can accomplish all that we need to. There are some things that require money. JEA. Have you ever called JEA and said, listen, I'm praying for you guys. That's gotta count for something. You understand what I mean. Generous by freely giving our time, generous by worshiping together, generous by, by coming full, generous by serving in the ministries of the congregation, generous by gathering, gathering together to pray for one another. Our standing together shoulder to shoulder as members in a congregation is manifest with all these kinds of generosity. All of them are necessary, all of them are valuable. And as we grow up as a congregation, let's take some lessons from Noah and his family, the importance of standing together and holding firm, the importance of moving forward together. It's a great future. But think of this. Think of Noah. He became an expert shipbuilder. And when the flood was over, his career completely ended. The Lord didn't say to him, okay, you're good at this, build another one. <laughs> build a lot of them, build a museum. In fact, there's no record that he ever built another boat again. In fact, the record says he began to be a farmer. So he went from expertise to a whole new career. Now 600 years old, 601 if I remember right. He has to learn how to farm. He has to learn how to grow grapes in a vineyard, how to make wine, and he has to learn how not to get drunk. It all takes time. <laughs> you have to learn these things. Sometimes people think that their purpose is using their talents the way they like to. And they develop their talents and feel that their purpose is defined by them, but it's not. Purpose can be found in anything that we're doing. 
and everything that we're doing. From small tasks to great tasks, from doing your chores to, uh, to doing something that is really, really hard and demanding and requires great skill and preparation. Everything can be filled with purpose if you approach it correctly. As a congregation, I, I believe that God wants us to grow to the next level where we will be holding on to the high calling and the purposes. We'll learn even more about being a mishpacha, all of us serving together, loving one another, standing together in all these ways, and it can't be done without generosity of every kind. It can't be done. It's impossible. But it can be done with generosity and with faith, with courage, with good attitudes, and with everything else that God is looking for. So when you're reading about Noah and you think, oh, I thought my life was hard, then take courage because it's a little easier for us today than it was for him. And with Messiah, we can do all things. So let's, Sandy, come on up. Can we have the microphone on for Sandy? Give a warm, hold on a second. Give a warm welcome to my wife, Sandy. This will be a surprise to David that I have something to say about this. Um, as I was reading the Parsha and thinking about uh, Noah and his challenges, I recalled um, as we were, before this building came to be, the Holy Spirit spoke to me a few things, and one, as most of you know, is he said, make for me a sanctuary. And so this sanctuary was really important to all of us, that it would really be a place that, that honored the Lord. The second thing he said was, make a home place for the families and the congregation so they will have unified and uh, common memories. Most parents in our congregation came from different places. So um, I was raised in one place. Rabbi David was raised in another place. We came together. We can't really imagine each other's backgrounds so much, but we came together. And this congregation has been like a commonality uh, for us, not only in our relationship, but um, with you as Different people come into Beth Israel. And since the Holy Spirit usually speaks to me in threes, the third thing he said to me was, Beth Israel is an ark. So I want you to know I heard this from the Lord before we found the location. So it was very important to me as I looked at it at hundreds of properties in J Jacksonville that we find a property on the water. And I just want to underline what Rabbi David said. What is an ark for? It's for preservation, salvation of life, of limb, of hearts and souls. But it's also for multiplication. So our part of our mandate as believers, part of our 
DNA here is to multiply who we are and what we are and how we are. And I want to let uh, those of you who don't know, a few years ago we counted how many countries the people in Beth Israel were from. And at that time we had more than 20 individual countries. And I'm hoping this goes to the podcast so our listeners can participate in this. Um, Not only did we have more than 20 countries, at that time we had more than a dozen languages represented. And I don't know the current count. This has been a few years. We have, you know, people that come and go through the Navy and things like that. And one thing that's especially on my heart is of all the cities that David and I have specifically lived in and ministered, we have representative of that time period in this congregation, except for one city, and that's Budapest, Hungary. And so if you want to put on your heart what's on our heart is that we have somebody in our congregation from Hungary. It would be a really great um, sort of conclusion to one part. Then the next goal is that we have someone from every country of our podcast listeners. So we don't stop. We can't quit growing. We can't forget what we're here for. We're here for preservation, for salvation, and for multiplication. And we can multiply many different ways. But I just want to leave that with you and put it in your heart that this isn't, you know, we can look at each other and say, oh, I saw them last week without thinking, wow, where are they from, you know? And we need to keep in mind that we've all come a long way, um, physically, mentally, spiritually. We've come a long way to be here. And we need to really... um, Rejoice in that and underline that and help one another grow in that. Thank you. Great. What a great wrap-up for today. Thank you. Oh, wait. I have one more thing. (laughs) This is the mother in me. When we go to the Shalom Center at any time and have coffee... Please use lids for coffee and hot tea because we have running children. We have, you know, adults deep in conversation, and we don't want an open cup of coffee and somebody to run into each other and have an accident and get hurt. Coffee is hot. Please use lids, and I'm going to ask you this from time to time, and uh, just remind each other to do that, okay? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> just keep a lid on it, okay? <laughs> so we're going to close with Aaron's blessing. Parents, remember you're always responsible to pick up your children in a, in a timely lids. way and to use lids. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you 
and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.